episode 92 and we are here in the apartment it's so early in the morning oh my god i'm having one of these mornings where well, one of these i had one of these nights where you know you wake up at 3 4 4 35 and by five o'clock i said you know what screw it i'm just gonna get up why should i lay there and dwell about things in my head things i have to do things i'm stressed out about why not just wake up and record a podcast? Totally normal, right? Anyway, fact of the day, dead skin cells are the main ingredient in household dust. So disgusting, right? Here you're thinking dust bunnies are made up of hair and lint. No, how about some skin of all the creatures that wander through your house? Apparently, human beings, we shed 200 million skin cells an hour. Of course, I feel like I could go down a, a math rabbit hole trying to find out, like, how many skin cells does one actually have to shed and just then have post-shedding. But I, I'm not going to torture myself like that. It's early. I'm having my coffee. Oh, my God. Last night, I, uh, I, I, went, I stopped by the JFL auditions in, uh, one, at one of the clubs in New York it, it was great. It's, you know, the JFL Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. This is the largest comedy festival in the world. And they have a new faces show. And I'm still waiting to hear if I'm getting an audition. But I hope I do. I really hope I do. I want to. It's crazy. They pick maybe, I don't know, uh, like 300 or something people around the world to audition. Then you get callbacks. And then uh, about 40 people from all over the world, new comics, uh, get picked to go perform in the show uh, in Montreal, J- JFL it's called. You can look it up on, on YouTube. Like there, might, there might even be a documentary about it or whatever uh, online, but uh, it's really like the up-and-coming who's who in comedy. And, you know, at the actual festival, there's all the, uh, you know, every comedy manager and agent and TV person is there. It's, it's, it's the best. It's, it's the creme de la creme. So, Fingers crossed for me. I went in CVS the other day. They're already selling Easter stuff. That shouldn't surprise you. In fact, the day I went into CVS was actually the day after Valentine's Day. And and the plastic eggs were out. And you know what I spotted while I was there? Peeps. Not my thing. But coffee-flavored peeps. Does that not skeeve you out? Like, coffee-flavored peeps? Peeps peeps are already the most hated item in your house. Peeps are the thing that stay around long after Easter is over. But coffee-flavored peeps? I mean, in my house, the only people that will even dare to lick a peep are the kids. But, you know, now that they're coffee-flavored, forget it. I will say, though, there's something to be said about stale peeps. You know, if you leave them out hard... eh, I used to have a friend, she used to leave the peeps out hard cut them, cut them after they got stale, and they were like little sugar-coated marshmallow cubes, and she would drop them in her coffee. Not for me, but for her, she loved it. Whatever. Oh, my God, I read this uh, quote. I feel like you guys will appreciate this. Somewhere online, uh, or, or, or maybe I watched someone saying it. I can't really remember what the source was, but it said something along the lines of, it was about women and working, and it was something along the lines of uh, women 
at work are supposed to work as if they don't have kids. So women in the workforce, particularly in the corporate world, we're supposed to work and perform as if we don't have kids and a family to take care of at home. And then women that are mothers and have children and are home are supposed to be a mother and be a parent as if that is their only job, as this they have no work uh, outside of, of, of parenting their kids. And um, I feel like... It was very poignant when I heard this because I, I totally could relate to this. I mean, you know, I, I think I've told you guys, obviously, my story. You know, I was working um, at a big company down on Wall Street for a bunch of years. I had a senior position, and I just gave it my all. I worked 12, 14-hour days. I mean, some days. Working 14-hour days, I mean, is kind of ridiculous. I mean, my ex-husband could to attest to it. I moved my whole family down by my office just so I could have a five-minute commute to work. I was dedicated, and I went through so many milestones at that job. I had my children at that job. Um, I, I I was pregnant at that job. I had, you know, all my, my, my baby showers, first birthdays, baby's first words and steps, but I was so dedicated to this company and um and I worked as if I didn't have kids and I was expected after work you know in that in that kind of world that I worked at the company that I worked in it wasn't like you packed up at five and everybody flooded the office I mean people were there 6 30 7 30 sometimes at 8 30 at night you would see some of these you know little finance bros hacking away on their computer but you were not expected just to leave work at five maybe there was always something maybe there was something to do after work but more importantly there was always something to attend some some client drinks you had to go to, some work happy hour, some holiday party. So what the hell are you supposed to really do if you have kids at home, if you have a family to take care of? I lived five minutes from my job, five-minute walk, and and I would batch cook on a Sunday. But my whole work identity was while I was there. It wasn't celebrated. Oh, this is a mother. This is a working mother. And not to say that a working mother and a mother should get any particular special celebration, but there was nothing that was, um, there, there was nothing that, that gave me a little break that there was no kind of acknowledgement or recognition. And that's just the way that it was. And, uh, I could really resonate with that quote, that thing that I read because when I was there, I was not a mother. I had to literally train my brain to forget about my children while I was at work. That's sad. In fact, I'll never forget my first Mother's Day uh, when I, my first Mother's Day with my older daughter. So the first Mother's Day of me being a mother, I gave my nanny a gift, a silk, silk scarf. Century 21 was across the street. I went into Century 21. You know, I used to go like on a Tuesday morning at 7.30 in the morning when they first woke, when they first opened up so I could just run in there and not deal with any of the crowds. And they always had the best merchandise and you always got access to the fitting rooms. Anyway, but I used to go into Century all the time and I would I bought her, uh, my nanny, a silk scarf, a really beautiful designer silk scarf, spent like $100 on it wrapped it up and I wrote her a card and I'll never forget the card I gave her. I said, thank you for being a mother to my daughter while I'm not able to be a mother to her. And isn't that so sad in retrospect? My oldest daughter, you know, she's seven years old. And I just feel that that's freaking sad. I was a mother to my kid, even though I was at work. Of course I was, but I just had to train my brain to not be so focused on my kids when I was working. And, um, I don't even know how I did it, but I did. 
and uh, and it's sad. And then on the flip side, when you then leave off, when you leave the office, or when the weekend comes around, you are just supposed to, as a parent, you're just supposed to drain your brain of any work-related things and just be mom one hundred percent, twenty-four hours a day. And um, that's also hard. I I, I have a very easy time. Um, compartmentalizing things. I could multitask very well, but for some reason, this idea of working and uh, being a mother was just so, it was so hard, it was just so hard for me. And it, 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 I would say being a new mother, because now I've gotten used to it. Now, now I'm used to it. But it is one of those things. Um, I read that and I just felt like it struck a chord inside of me. And I don't think that we should have to choose, but but if you are working in some corporations, I mean, obviously, some companies, there's just really little forgiveness if you have a child or not. They just don't give a shit. Um, and obviously, I mean, you know, the trend today, as this isn't so long ago, by the way, this is only a few years ago, but the trend today, obviously, is to work for a company that, you know, supports your, your home life and gives you the work-life life balance and, you know, all these companies are like, oh, we make it so easy for you. We make it so easy for you. Do your dry cleaning here. We have doggy daycare. We have yoga. We, you have, we have all your meals. But really, what that really is saying that this is basically your house minus the bed and your, your kids and your, and your spouse. But anyway... I, it, it, it struck a chord. And the other thing uh, that it reminded me of when I read that was my mother-in-law. Um, oh, my God. My mother-in-law was such, ugh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't even know. You know when time passes and you get that chance to look back on things, you see things so much clearer. Obviously, they say hindsight is everything. Um, but I remember when I was working and uh, my mother-in-law turned around and she said to me, you know, when when she had was having her, when I was having my children, Elise, I decided to stay home. It's like, really? Did you really decide to stay home? Or was it cheaper for you to stay home? Because last time I checked in Manhattan, you need to live a life on a dual income household. Thank you. This woman was just a not nice, you know, it's so funny. It, 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 you know, oh. Excuse me. Let me take a sip. Let me take another sip. Let me take another sip for this, okay? Mm. My my mother-in-law was not nice to me. And I've said this before, but like not not like in in an overtly obvious way. I I think I've said this a bunch of times how I feel like sometimes I got cheated on the mother-in-law thing. I was so excited to have a mother-in-law. I was so excited to get married. And I mean, to be honest, I was almost more excited about the mother-in-law than I was the husband because marriage is nice, but it's just the husband's I can't stand. You know what I'm saying? But the mother-in-law aspect, like someone, another mom, like mom's like, oh, so warm and and fun and we can go to Burlington Coat Factory together or we can go to a sample sale together or we can go to Costco and hit the samples or she could teach me her recipes, just sit around, watch TV. And not all the time, but just having that as an option. And I, I was so excited about that idea. And maybe it's because I'm not so, so close to my own mother. We used to be close. My mother and I, we used to be close when I was growing up. But my mom has two other daughters and she's busy. And my mom was a working mom and blah, blah, blah. And my parents got divorced. My mother got remarried, whatever. But 
I don't know. I just, I, I love mothers. I have always loved mothers, right? And all my best friends that I have in my life to this day, they're all the girls that I've known forever. And I know that I'm friends with them because they, and we're so close because they all have motherly qualities. All of my friends are like mother figures, not necessarily to me, but they're just motherly people. I don't have any friends that are like big hoes. I don't have any friends that are like blowing lines of coke in the bathroom. I mean, I do, but they're not my best friends. You know what I'm saying? But I was so excited to have a mother-in-law, so excited to gain this 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 person in my life. And she was just wretched to me. And my mother-in-law wasn't, uh, she wasn't mean in that traditional way. She would just make these digs at me. Like, some people, they complain about their mother-in-laws and they say, oh, my mother-in-law, she comes over, rearranges my house. She does my laundry. She favors her son. This, that, and the other thing. No, my mother-in-law was just fucking passive-aggressive and bitchy. Like, when I was having my kids saying to me, turn around and saying to me that she chose to stay home and be a mother, it's like, really? Go fuck yourself. Like, I don't even have that option. Maybe if your son was a multimillionaire, then that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a problem for me, too. But listen, lady, this is reality, and I'm just existing in it. Well, like when I got engaged, um, I got engaged, and she didn't have she she didn't have an engagement ring. I don't know why. And who gives a fuck about engagement rings anyway, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, does diamonds really make you happy? I mean, they make me happy, but you know what I'm saying. It's it does, it's not a deal breaker in life. Come on, but uh, she didn't have an engagement ring, and she when I got engaged, she turned around and she said to me that diamonds don't make the women in her family happy. So her name, say her last name is Buckingham. That's not her last name. But she said, Buckingham women don't need diamonds to make them happy. I mean, how wretched. And one time, I should say that same trip when I went to Wales and I got engaged and uh, we went to go, we got engaged and we went to go, you know, celebrate with his family and see them, whatever. Um, That same trip, I was standing in the kitchen with her I'll never forget, and she was making something, standing over the stove, and uh, and I was talking to her, and she turned around, and and we, somehow the God came up, the topic of religion and God, and she said to me, well, I just think people that believe in God are just foolish, foolish. Can you imagine someone turning around and telling an Italian Catholic woman that people that believe in God are foolish? Now, listen. Again, lady, like to each their own. She's 40 years older than me, maybe 45 years older. Than me. I don't know. She's lived a life. She's had her experiences. We're all different. But I was like 26 when I got engaged. I was a young doll. I mean, I, I haven't been hardened necessarily by all the life stuff at that moment. Um, I haven't gone through all the things she's gone through. Maybe in 40 years' time, I too would decide that God isn't real. Who the hell knows? But why burst somebody's bubble at such a precious time, such a sweet time when uh, everything is new and, and fresh and exciting and the engagement and the, and the thoughts of a wedding? And I don't know. I've just been having these thoughts lately. I... Um, like you, we're all on social media. And, you know, you see people that are newly engaged and and uh, newly married or having their first baby. And maybe you tell me, maybe this is something that happens to us human beings as we get older. But I'm on social media and I see people's photos of when they're just starting their lives out, finding somebody else. And, um, and sometimes I just find myself scrolling through fast. But other times I find myself stopping and just like really like gazing at the picture and just thinking, my God, that's such a nice, special 
time. It's such a, a, a special time that like you, you, you never could recreate. Like even if you get married for the first time at 50 years old, fine, you found happiness, you found your person, you're going to settle down. But nothing is as special and sweet as like being a young girl or guy in your fanciest, you know, gown or tux, whatever, your rented men's warehouse tux and your David's bridal dress. No, my dress wasn't from David's bridal. And, 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 and I don't know why not, because I would have saved so much money, but, um, where it was. Things never going to fit again. But anyway, you know, you're in your nice pristine outfits and, and everybody comes from all over everywhere to come celebrate you and celebrate this beautiful day or when you have your first baby, you're so excited. You pack your bag, you're in your new pajamas in the hospital holding the sweet thing and you have no idea what the fuck you're going to do with this kid when you get home because you're scared to death. All of that is just the sweetest time, such a beautiful time. And the fact that this lady just decided to, to impart her hardness, her coldness on me, I just really freaking resent. And, um, I don't know. The thing is, is that she was a nice woman in some regards. I would go into my mother-in-law's house in Wales, and it was totally different than a house that I grew up in. In my house, everything was loud and and and, and pans banging and people scream yelling and, and who's not talking to who and who's dead to who and plates of cold antipasto just flying through the air, you know, and, and, and who's out smoking a cigarette or who's having, you know, their ninth glass of wine. Not in a Gavone way, you know what I'm saying? Just like in a fun, very loud, effervescent way I grew up. And, uh, but I would walk into my mother-in-law's house. It was a totally different experience. It was, um, it was very quiet. Her, her, she didn't have that traditional British design sensibility, like with florals and chintz and gold. I wish she did, to be quite honest. I mean, sometimes I describe her as Bunny McDougal from Sex and the City, you know, Charlotte's mother-in-law. But she really wasn't like that. She was... She was almost like a modern Brit. But you'd go into her house, and it was very plain and very simple. And um, it was very calming. It almost had like a, a, a like a Buddhist sort of feel. And she had beautiful garden in the backyard. And she was a horrible cook, but an amazing baker. And um, she always had little baked goods around. And, she, you know, there, there was this element of... Uh, uh, of like safety with her, right? Like she, she was like calm. She, she, the house was always the same. Everything always was very the same. She was, she was a really gracious host. She always would, you know, have towels and robes laid out and toiletries, you know, in the bedroom we were staying in because can you imagine like I couldn't stay in a hotel there. It was like my worst nightmare because like there's no hotels in their village, but whatever. But on that side of it. She was such a lovely person, but, um, but then she just had this like really like catty, like crazy side. Like, I don't know, like about other women, anybody that was like, I hate to say this, but like more attractive or, uh, maybe, uh, you know, like had a career or, I, I I don't know, or maybe lived in a big city or had different kind of like worldly or um, cos not worldly, cosmopolitan, more cosmopolitan experiences than she has had. She kind of like ha had a lot to say. I just, it was just very hard. I feel like I was cheated and I don't know. I just kind of wanted to vent about it. But you know, if you are listening and you have one of these kind of mother-in-laws, feel free, reach out to me. I'd love to hear your story. But 
hang in there and just ignore them. Sometimes I wish I got married when I was a little older because if I had that kind of mother-in-law now, I have more life experience. And you know what I would do? I would just ignore all of that shitty, those shitty sides of her. I wouldn't let it affect me. I wouldn't let it affect my marriage. And I would just take the good. And I didn't do that at the time because I did let it affect my marriage. And uh, I don't know. She's a nice grandmother to my kids, so I'm not going to sit here and complain. But I did have a Japanese sister-in-law, and she was way nicer to her than me because my Japanese sister-in-law, Kamiko, that's her name, and uh, we used to call her Kumi. And she was just, she was subservient, and she was subdued. So, you know, she, and she was, uh, she was cool, but she was, like, unassuming Japanese girl that moved from Japan to Wales. Maybe my mother, my ex-mother-in-law just resented me because her son fell in love with me, and we decided to live in New York and not sleepy little Wales. But, oh, well, that's the deal. Anyway, moving on, speaking of Japan. I don't know if I've ever told you that I have, like, a, a, a real, like, love with the Japanese culture. I don't know why. It's the strangest thing. I've been like this since I was a little kid. I always loved kimonos, chopsticks. I mean, for my best friend Stephanie's Sweet 16, she'll tell you. I dressed up as a girl, like a kabuki girl, like kimono girl. I had on, I'll never forget it. The brand was Chinese Laundry. And it was a blue, I thought at the time, silk. You know, I was trying to be so classy. But it was poly. It was a, a bright electric blue, like polyester, square neck dress uh, with like thin little black straps. And it came down to my knee and it was very fitted and it was a kimono print. And I had my makeup so white. My face was like so white, like mortifying. Red lips, my hair in a tight bun with chopsticks. I mean, I was 16. Actually, I was younger than her. I was 15. And Stephanie was turning 16. And we were on Staten Island. I mean, like, it, I was totally dressed ridiculous. But anyway, I've always loved Asian cultures. And so I am happy to report that there is a one of the best Japanese stores. It's called Daiso. D-A-I-S-O. Daiso. It's a Japanese super superstore. And it's opening in Brooklyn, in Industry Village. And I am just so excited about this. Okay, let me back up. Industry Village, I don't, and if you're not from New York and you, you happen to be in New York, it's worth, it's definitely worth visiting. In Brooklyn, Sunset Park, off the BQA, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, that's the highway that connects Brooklyn, Manhattan, and, and uh, does it connect Staten Island? It takes you to the bridge to Staten Island. Why don't I know this? Anyway, off the BQA were these abandoned warehouse buildings my whole life. And then, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, whatever, they started to, someone bought them and they started to uh, clean them up. And now if you, if you know, if you're on the up and up, you know, now there's offices there. There's offices. My girlfriend, she works for the Nets. The Nets have an office there. Restoration Hardware. There's all, there's all these corporate offices, lots of creative agencies, ad agencies, yada, yada, yada. So they call this little area Industry Village in Sunset Park. And, you know, you walk like two blocks of this, air quotes, Industry Village, and you're in, like, Sunset Park proper, like, which isn't the best area. But it's expensive, Industry Village, I guess, to get office space there. But there are stores, uh, ABC Carpet, Restoration. There's, um, I think, like, Design Within Reaches in there. Anyway. I went there not too long ago with the kids because there used to be this Japanese supermarket called Sunrise Mart uh, in the city. I think there's still a couple in the city. And they had one in Industry Village. I wanted to go check it out. And I didn't realize that in Industry Village, it's this whole little Japanese 
their community. There's a like sushi bar and there's Sun Sunrise Mart. But if you like Japanese uh, culture or the food, you gotta go to one a Sunrise Mart to a Japanese supermarket because they not only sell foods which are just cool to kind of try and explore that's what I like to do I just like to buy like random snacks and give it a whirl but they also have all these tchotchkes like they have the cutest like I don't know they have all these like little cute things like paper clips and pens and bowls and plates and all this like little kitty stuff it's like this kawaii culture which is in Jap Japanese cute it means cute so if you ever have a chance to go to a Japanese supermarket or store, check it out, because there's just all these fun, weird tchotchkes, like, they make cute, like, stocking stuffers, or things for kids, and just, like, these weird things you could just keep around your kitchen, I don't know, anyway, but Daiso is this store, and it's this Japanese superstore, and I think it might be the first one in New York, and it's opening in Industry Village, and they have tons of home decor stuff, tons of kitschy stuff, tons of... Sanrio, you know, that's Hello Kitty, who, by the way, I love. I'm the only middle-aged woman that has a serious Sanrio and Hello Kitty obsession. It's weird, I know. No, I don't have, like, fucking Hello Kitty dolls all over my house. I mean, I wish I did, to be honest. But anyway, um, but it's a discount store. That's the best part. <laughs> so I can't wait. They also, Daiso also has, like, tableware and baking supplies and craft things and Japanese there you know I guess because of origami they have like lots of crafty things cool papers and stuff I'll probably go and wind up doing a TikTok from there but so excited can't wait gotta check it out opens well, I think it actually opens I think it opens on February 23rd um so yeah that's my big New York news for the week Daiso Industry Village Anywho, thank you to a uh, listener. Oh, my God, I'm totally... Dina, she gave me some resorts. I'm trying to go on a vacation. Well, one of these days. I think I might have told you ladies and guys. Last week, I'm dying to go on a... a uh, just, just get away. Just get a break. An all-inclusive resort somewhere. And she gave me um, a couple names. Uh, the Paradisus in Cancun. I stayed at the one in Punta Cana. Actually, when it first opened... Um, maybe like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it was great. And then the other one she gave me was Abero Star in Jamaica. So I'm checking it out. The Jamaica uh, Abero Star looks looks really cool. Uh, I don't really love, as I, I think she told me, she said the food's good for all-inclusive. I don't really love all-inclusive because of the food thing because, like, part of vacation is not only, like, laying out and reading a book that you would never read if you were home. I mean, the part of vacation is just, getting to eat whatever you want. If the food's not good, well, mm, that's kind of the end of that. Um, but I just don't want to have anything to think about. So thank you for the recommendations. Speaking of food, I tried a new thing at Costco. It's part of my product of the week, although <sighs> why should a product of the week be a cheese tray from Costco? But you know, YOLO. My daughter, my older daughter, my kids are, like, ridiculous, you know. I got the younger daughter. She only likes American cheese, like, from the deli, sliced thin. She used to, like, craft singles, and then, you know, we got her to stop eating that. But she likes American cheese from the deli, thin sliced. My other daughter hates American cheese, like, like thinks it's the most disgusting thing. Oh, I don't like American cheese. Okay, what do you like? Cheddar. Okay, fine. So this kid likes cheddar cheese. No problem. I'll, I like, oh, I'm a cheeseaholic. I'll eat all cheese. But 
I uh, wanted to get her some more cheeses other than cheddar. And sometimes getting the block of cheese, it winds up going bad. And I don't have, like, company at my house a lot. So um, I went to Costco. No, I didn't. I ordered from Instacart. What am I talking about? I ordered from Instacart a cheese tray by Cello or Cello. It's C-E-L-L-O. I think it's Cello, actually. But it's... um. It was $14. I know. It, it, it's kind of a lot. And it's pre-sliced little slices of cheese. You know that you would put out with cheese and crackers if you didn't want to do a block of cheese. I actually don't do pre-sliced cheese. I rather like, if, you know, if you're going to put out a cheese plate, it's nice to put the block out. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're one of these charcuterie board nuts and you want to like make a freaking uh, stocking your Christmas tree out of slices of cheese. Then this is your thing. But anyway. It's the Cello Variety Pack cheese tray, and it was 14 bucks. and it has cheddar and Gouda and uh, Havarti and uh, Swiss, and the cheese is good. Let me tell you, it's creamy. All the cheeses, it, it, they are not junky. Sometimes that pre-sliced cheese, you know, you think, you're like, nah, no thanks. But it's not. It's creamy. It's delicious. And it's been great. I bought... It's big. It's big. It's like something you could definitely put out for company. You know, make it nice. I wouldn't put it on the tray. Obviously, we all know this. But <laughs> so one of my friends is like, why do you talk like this on your podcast? Like as if... I said, get the hell out of here. Said, this, is, this, is, this is my life. This is, it's a brain dump. That's what the podcast is. It's a brain dump. But anyway, I... um. I, I got the cheese. I was like, eh, pre-sliced, nah. But it's really creamy. I, I've been using it for grilled cheese, the cheese sandwiches that they eat for lunch because, God forbid, anybody will eat anything else. Um, eggs with cheese. I love it. It's, it's so good. I recommend it. Mm. But my product of the week, my real product of the week is I, oh, and I'm doing this a little out of order, but that's okay. I had two shows at Parks Casino. Let me just say this. Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Sold out, baby. Thank you to everybody that came out. Parks Casino show was super cool um, in Pennsylvania. It was totally sold out. The crowd was like a ton of Italian people. Uh, it was great. I headlined it. I did 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes. That was just, that was just, it was great. It, I, I don't even have any other words for it. It was great. When you're headlining and you're the closing act, it's a totally different experience than when you're like one of the acts on a lineup. It's a totally different experience than when you're like on a lineup even of only three and only doing, you know, 15 minutes. Because when you're the closing act, one, people are coming to see you. Two, 45 minutes, it's like you don't have to rush. You could sit down. You could, figuratively, you could talk to everybody like as if they're family. And it was so much fun. So Parks Casino was amazing. And then a few nights after that, I did Mike Marino's show at the Raz Room in Center, uh, this place called Center Reach, uh, Pennsylvania, which is New Hope, Pennsylvania, essentially. And that was awesome. And also sold out. It's a very beautiful uh, place, by the way. The Center, the Center Reach Inn in New Hope, Pennsylvania. I don't know if it's an actual inn, like you could stay there, but they have a cabaret room. It's in New Hope, Pennsylvania. If you go to New Hope, you know, the hotel there is like, there's like the Golden Plow or whatever. That's like the cute hotel in the little village in New Hope. But, um, you know, there's all the shops and restaurants. And then the Center Reach Inn is this place that has this great cabaret room. It's like red, floral, dark wallpaper, gold chandelier, and a piano. It's very chic. It's 
feels oddly New York. But anyway, it was a great room, sold out crowd. And the lady that ran the show, her name is Amy, she had this fabulous eyeshadow on. And I don't usually like notice eyeshadows unless it's so shocking, but it was silver glitter eyeshadow, like on her lid and above, like up to her eyebrow, but it was like real glitter, but not like Elma's craft garbage glitter. So I had to say to her, oh my God, where's your, where did you get this eyeshadow from? Because it was the kind of eyeshadow that even if you just had it on your lid, it would be so sparkly that, you know, it would really make a cool impact. I loved it. So I asked her, she sent me the name of it. The brand is Ipsy, I-P-S-Y. You can get it at ipsy.com. And the brand, it's in a little palette. The palette's 20 bucks. This is my product of the week. Miami Nights is the name of the palette. Miami Nights Shayna B palette. And it's a, the silver glitter little square in the palette. And the color is called Queen of Diamonds. And it's just awesome. And I can't wait to get it um, and try it. I ordered it. More on that. But it, I know it's going to be great because one... She had it on. It looked awesome. She loves it. So when somebody gives you the recommendation like that, I feel like, you know, we're good to go. You know what I'm saying? So that is that. Um, Let me see. What was the... Oh, March 30th, I will be at The Stand in New York. I'm uh, doing a show. I don't know. It's like co-headline. Um, I could have headlined it, but I thought it would be more fun if it was me and uh, another female comic. So it's going to be me and Olga Namer. She's my girlfriend. Uh, she's also divorced comic. We're the same age. And uh, she's funny. Brooklyn girl, Orthodox Jew, got divorced. Like I just, she's hilarious. I just love her. She was married at like 18 and got divorced and now she's a comedian. So we have similar stories-ish. Um, yeah, really, really like her. It's going to be fun. Me and her, uh, March 30th. It's an annoying night of the week. It's a Wednesday night at 7 p.m., but we, uh, we're we going to sell it out. It's going to be great. The tickets aren't, a bit, aren't, aren't up yet, um, nor are any show promotions, but I'll keep you posted. I am also filming a documentary um, right now, and just in case if anybody's from work listening... This is not a documentary that gets filmed during the day, FYI. Um, a lot of people uh, are ask me, a lot of people ask me, you know, all the time, oh my God, how are you doing stand-up? How are you doing this? How how, how are you doing this with two kids and, and your full-time job and this, that, and other thing? And the truth is, is I, I, well, first of all, I don't go out. I, maybe I'll have a girl, I don't go out socially anymore. I just don't have the time. I kind of made that trade off when I decided to do stand up. So stand up has become my social life, but well, I should say, I do go out for dinner with my girlfriends and see my family, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not going out for cocktails on the weeks that I don't have kids. I'm not going to cocktails three, four nights a week, maybe like I would before I did stand up. Anywho. Um, I am, I'm filming a documentary about, uh, about that, about that. How, how am I doing this? How, how, what is it like, uh, being a mom trying to make it in stand up? And, uh, we do have some interest already from some of the streaming services. So huge fingers crossed on that. Um, it's, uh, we're filming. It's me and it's, uh, I, I, you know, we have, I, it's me, it's a little small crew, filmmaker um my co-producer he's super cool and he's been following me around it's a little crazy like with a camera um at 
with the video camera at, at, at shows, at mics, um, confessional style. And it's, you know, kind of just going to be a, this is what, this is what my life is like. You'll see inside my house, you'll see these high and low moments of me struggling with the kids, you know, frustrated with my family, uh, talking about why I, you see me not able to get showtime, seeing when I do get shows and I'm on the road. And then there's also going to be, um, some other really, really cool parts that I can't talk about yet. Um, but it's not out at this moment, but hopefully, uh, in the next few months, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of, uh, editing and stuff that has to get done. I, I obviously don't do any of that, but that is the deal. So that's super exciting. Um, I think that that's pretty much it for the Elise DeLucci show today. And as always, I thank you for listening. Oh, and I think one last thing. I, I really, I hate to ask this, but I have to. If you guys don't mind sharing my Instagram account with some of your friends that would maybe be interested, that like stand-up comedy, maybe would be interested in my brand of comedy, I would totally appreciate that. The more followers I have on Instagram, the easier it is for me to book dates around and, quite frankly, you know, get in the door, you know, when you talk to some of these, uh, you know, people at the festivals or uh, these gatekeepers, you know, at um, at various comedy-related things. Let's just say that. So, yes, I need some followers on, need more followers on Instagram. The social media thing is always a hustle, and it's a necessary evil of this business. So you could be doing stand-up for 35 years, and you could be the best stand-up in the world, and you can have two followers, but it's going to be difficult for you to get a, a, a club date. And it's insane, but that's just the world we live in. So anything you could do to share my Instagram would be so, so much appreciated. Thank you, as always, for listening. I am Elise DeLucci. This is episode 92, and we are nearing our 100th episode. I have no idea what I'll talk about, but we'll come up with something. Talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. (laughs) 